touchdown, Wisconsin, and this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. Wisco Sports Show is on the air. I am your host, Grant Bills, 96.7 FM, 580 AM, or streaming live anywhere at WKTYsports.com, wherever and however you're listening. Hope you're having a killer Thursday. Thanks for making my show a part of your Thursday. And before we start with anything today, before we get into that Brewers win last night, or we continue to preview the Packers-Vikings game coming up this weekend, I gotta say thank you. I gotta say wow. I gotta say I'm impressed. Um, I, I'm a little bit in disbelief, to be completely honest, of what is going on down at the Southside Fest Grounds uh, right here in downtown Lacrosse. It's fight the flood going on today. I had the uh, the opportunity uh, as a member of the Z93 crew to be down there earlier from about noon to two. So many people on a on a work day on a Thursday down there getting some to eat, taking in the live music. And spending a little bit of their hard-earned money to help our friends and neighbors here in the Driftless area in the Cooley region who have been affected by flooding. So that was really cool. And I was impressed. And I I left it too. And I don't know what the number is right now. If anybody has it, uh, I'd love to hear it. But when I left at 2 o'clock, the last updated number that I had seen, just over $50,000 had been raised. And I have a feeling that, that place has gotten fuller and fuller and is going to continue to get fuller over the course of the night. So if you're looking to make plans tonight, especially with the Brewers off, you got no conflict. Get to the Southside Fest Grounds right here in downtown La Crosse and uh, chip in a couple of bucks, whether you're buying food or just giving a, a free will donation straight up. I, I'm really impressed, and we have something to be proud of as a community. That being said, uh, oh, and by the way, if anybody has that donation number, if anybody's down there or had, has just left or is just going in and is listening to the show, 608-796-2558. If you have that updated donation number, I would love to hear it. Just to be able to share it. It was at 50000 Just over $50,000 raised when I left today at 2 o'clock. So kudos to everyone who's been a part of that. And thank you to everyone who's given their hard-earned time and money uh, to help out our friends and neighbors here in the Cooley region. That being said, let's, let's get into what happened last night. And that was the Brewers win over the Chicago Cubs. Pulling them back within one game in the NL Central lead. They get the win 5-1. to one, Although that score really doesn't tell. For those of you who are watching, you know doesn't really tell the whole story of that game. It was close, and it was a back-and-forth game, just like they all have been this year. I mean, with the exception of both of those games, back in August, the two-game set, or maybe it was back in July, it was a while ago now, where they played a two-game set, the Brewers ran away with the first one, and then the Cubs ran away with the second. Those were just about the only two games that weren't living or dying with every pitch. Last night, Chase Anderson gives you an an okay start, and I want to get into that. I want to talk about that a little bit, but... Would have been five through nine. So that would have been five, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. That's five innings covered by your Brewers bullpen of shutout baseball. And yes, oh, excuse me, one run baseball. And I did have to count in my hand. I wanted to make sure doing math on the air is a huge trap, by the way. You don't want to get into that. Not doing mental math on the air. That's just a game I don't play. So the bullpen covers five innings of baseball, of one run baseball. That was the only run surrendered on the day by the Milwaukee Brewers. The win goes to Josh Hader last night. And for those of you who don't know, I had to make sure that I had my facts right on this as well. Because Chase Anderson didn't go the full five innings necessary to record a win, it then becomes up to the discretion of the... Uh, because, because the Brewers were leading, right? It's not like the Brewers took the lead when Corey Knable or Josh Hader was in the game. It becomes up to the scorer's discretion, which I think we should get more into. 
in baseball. You know what I mean? I, I just think sometimes pitchers are deserving of a win and they don't get it. And I think baseball would be better off if it was left up to the discretion of the scores sometimes on who got a win. Sometimes it's cut and dry. Last night, the win goes to Josh Hader, who pitched one inning, struck out three, and gave up no earned runs, of course, and no uh, no walks as well. Hater in this series was absolutely absurd, and I have some numbers to back that up. So here you go. We're gonna we're gonna break out some numbers here. Get a little nerdy. Hater in this series pitched in two games and he pitched three innings. Two innings in the opener that they won on uh what would that what would that have been? Tuesday night or, or Monday night? And then an inning last night. He got the the night off in between in the game that they lost. So Hater, this series, here are the numbers. Three innings pitched, only one hit, which came last night against Ben Zobers, just a little cue shot. Out into the outfield. Zero earned runs. Nine strikeouts. So three innings pitched. Every out that Josh Hader recorded in this series was an out. Only allowed one player to reach 38 pitches in three innings, which is obviously very, very good. 31 of those were for strikes. And of those 31 strikes, 17 of them were on swings and misses. That's absurd. And I know Josh Hader's had some some tumultuous innings in the middle, but it looks like whatever Craig Council and his staff have been doing, trying to keep arms in that bullpen, Hater in particular, fresh over the course of the season, especially in the dog days and in July and August, has appeared to work because their bullpen has been lights out, just like we saw it early on in the year. We saw a little bit of a regression, and now they're back to that form that we saw earlier on in the year. Brewers get the win 5-1 to one last night, and we're talking about it for the next couple of minutes. 608-796-2558. That is the five-star telecom talking text line. You can also get in touch with the show on Twitter. My Twitter, Grant Bills. You can find me at Keystroker Grant, and you can also tweet at the WKTY Twitter as well. I'll see it either way, and we can talk about it on air either way. I want to talk about Chase Anderson a little bit last night. He hasn't been lights out this season. Not as good as he was last year. But one thing I will say about Chase Anderson is last night he didn't give up any runs. Council only let him go four innings. So a quality start in Major League Baseball. Now, first of all, I researched this because I was curious. If you're familiar with baseball, you're probably familiar with the term quality start. Now, it's not a, I don't think it's a statistic that's really kept in the box score. It's just a term that is used to describe when a starting pitcher goes six innings or more. And, and allows no more than three earned runs. So let's say uh, Chase Anderson last night went out, pitched, three in, or pitched six innings, excuse me, gives up three runs. It's not an amazing start, but it's a quality start. He gave you a quality start last night if he goes six innings with three earned runs or less. Well, last night Anderson went four innings, didn't allow any runs, and, and I think his best pitching was in his latter innings. I think Craig Council just wanted to get this game into the bullpen. He had more of a playoff type style of managing last night. The early hook for Chase Anderson. Basically, we're going to pull you out before you have the chance to make a mistake. Even though I think the third and the fourth inning were his two best innings. He was trending in the right direction. Council said, I'm not going to risk it. I like my bullpen. We got some well-rested arms down there. We're deep there. That's the best part of our team, and we're going to do it. So Anderson's start last night wasn't quality, quote-unquote. And when I say quality, I'm, of course, referring to the t- the the technical definition of a quality start, which is six innings and three earned runs or less. But I was trying, last night I was trying to think of a way to label Anderson's start. And, and I'm going to call Anderson's last start last night, I'm going to call it workable. That was a workable, workable start. That's something the Brewers could work with. Four earned runs, or four innings, no, no earned runs, no runs at all. The day before a, a bye day, an off day, you have your full, basically your full pen at, at full disposal. That's a, that's a workable start. What Chase Anderson last night did he gave a start to the Milwaukee Brewers and the rest of the team that they could work with. 
gave him an opportunity to win, even though it wasn't a quality start. So that's a new thing here on the Wisco Sports Show. We're going to start using that. That was a workable start. I'll work on the specifics, and we'll see if we can't get something figured out. Not a quality start, but it was a workable start. Now, I would make another example of a workable start as six innings, four earned runs. But if the Brewers score ten runs, and you allow your starter in there, you allow him to kind of pitch through some things, and he gives up four runs, it's not a quality start. It doesn't look great on the book. Six innings, four earned runs, but that's workable, right? He, He gave the Brewers something to work with, and that's what Chase Anderson did last night. Didn't look great, but the Brewers were able to win. Well, that's a workable start. New thing on the Wisco Sports Show. We're going to be using that the rest of the year on. Not a quality start, but a workable start. I like that. So tomorrow, uh, the Brewers continue. They square off with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Remember, you can hear all that action here on WKTY. And if the, the, the action isn't on WKTY, I'll let you know. So you can just assume. Uh, coming up in the next couple of segments, let's look at the rest of the show first. I, I was so excited to talk about Fight the Flood and, and this Brewers win last night, which pulled them into the one game, uh, one game within the Cubs in the division race. Which, by the way, the Chicago Cubs lead the Nationals right now 3-2 to two in the sixth inning. I'll keep you updated as the show goes along. Let, let's look at the show as a whole, first of all, because I, I normally like to do that. I didn't get a chance to do that. I want to talk about a little more Brewers coming up, and I want to get your opinions as well. There was one stat last night that I found a little worrying, just because I've seen it so many times. And Brewers fans, you might know what I'm talking about. I bet you know what I'm talking about. So we're going to talk about that coming up. Just something that concerned me. Uh, coming up later on in the show, I want to transition to Packers talk. I want to talk about Brian Gutekunst and Deshaun Kaiser. Kind of a, a take that I've heard being thrown around, and I think it's a discussion we should have as Packer fans because, we, to be honest, we got to call it like it is. And it's not something that Packers fans are going to love to hear, but it's the truth. And I want to talk about that coming up as well. And then to close the show today, we're talking to Matt Scrady. We're going to preview the Vikings-Packers game with the Vikings man here on WKTY himself. So Matthew P. Scrady from Mornings with Dave and Scrady will be joining the show uh, to wrap it up today. Nothing you want to miss. You're going to want to be here the whole time. Continuing with the Brewers talk after this, 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. Brewers fans, you just took two or three in Chicago and you're within one game. Let's talk about it. Let's get excited. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. Granderson with his third hit of the night. This time it clears the basket, and it's 3-1 Milwaukee. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. That was, for me, the most satisfying, exciting part of the night. Curtis Granderson, who had a terrific night, was a double short of the cycle, actually, with that weird triple that was almost a home run but wasn't a home run in the first inning. It was a double short of the cycle, including that solo shot home run, which at the time put the Brewers up 3-1 and really... As a Brewers fan, a little bit, not too much. You could kind of go, you could kind of relax a little bit. A one-run lead against the Chicago Cubs in Wrigley doesn't feel like a whole lot. So that run was huge, and mostly in part, it was so huge because the Brewers simply can't hit with runners in scoring position. And Brewers fans, you get this. You've been watching this team forever. My entire lifetime, this has never changed. Brewers can hit with runners in scoring position. They can hit with runners on base. I don't know what it is. If it's the Milwaukee Air if it's the smell of beer that's floating around everywhere, I, I don't know what it is. But never in my lifetime have the Brewers been able to hit with runners in scoring position. And last night, fortunately, it didn't matter. That that home run would have been enough, but Moustakis was able to break the seal in the ninth inning. 11 players left on base for the Brewers last night. And I don't take any, anything away from the Chicago Cubs. Hendricks had a, a pretty good start. Not a great start, but a pretty good start. And their bullpen struggled as it may. They're still a very, very good team. So part of that is... Does the opposing pitching staff have the arms and, and have the, 
I don't know, the toughness to fight through tough situations. And the Cubs definitely do. And I don't take anything away from that. But the Brewers have always struggled with runners on scoring or runners on base and runners in scoring position. Last night, 11 left on, except for one player. One player's been able to do it. And that's Mike Moustakis. 15 of 28 with runners in scoring position since coming to Milwaukee. And, and of course, if you're a Brewers fan, it's, it's the one guy. <laughs> it's the one guy who... Didn't come up with the farm system, right? He's not a technically a Milwaukee Brewer. You brought him from the outside. So the one guy on your entire roster and in your entire lineup who can hit with runners in scoring position only became a Milwaukee Brewer this year, which I uh, maybe there's something to it, something in the water in Milwaukee. I think that's what it is, and in their farm system, and in every player they draft. They just can't hit with runners in scoring position, and they leave them all on base. And if you follow me on Twitter, at Keystroker Grant, you will know my frustration last night about runners being left on base. 608-796-2558 is the number to call. It's the five-star telecom talk and text line. You give me a call or you can shoot me a text. You got a small point. You don't want to yell about it over the air. Just shoot me a text. I'll see it that way as well. You can also tweet at me or tweet at WKTY. Brewers fans, you got a lot to be excited about today, regardless of my displeasure with the Brewers leaving 11 guys on base last night. And that bothers me not just in the context of last night, but going forward. For example... Quintana two nights ago and Hendricks last night both looked early on like they could be had. Brewers put together some sort of rally, whether walking a couple guys on base, maybe get an infield single, and you end up with a couple runners on base, and before you know it, you're in the second inning with a chance to not only score a run or two, but to really crack the game open. Maybe you get three runs, four runs early on in the game. And and when you don't, you let that pitcher recover. You let that pitcher off the hook. And especially when you struggle against Jose Quintana. I don't I don't know why. I don't know how. I cannot wrap my mind around it. And it's one thing that drives me nuts. And I'm sure Brewers fans, you understand. Quintana is by far and away the least reliable arm on that Cubs pitching staff. You go on Twitter or you talk to Cubs fans and, and they worry. They complain when Quintana's on the mound because they know. But not against the Brewers for some godforsaken reason. And early on in that game, it looked like Quintana could be had. And the Brewers scored... Uh, actually, they got shut out, so they didn't score early runs, but they had opportunities. They had they had players on base. And when you let that pitcher off the hook, you continue to let him build momentum and build confidence over the course of the game, and then by the time the fifth and sixth inning rolls around, he looks untouchable. When you get your opportunities, and when you load the bases, for example, or when you put guys on first and third with one out, I don't care if you have to bunt, I don't care if you hit doubles, triples, singles, you need to find a way to start getting some of those runners in. It doesn't have to be three, four at a time. But when you put guys on the pond in the second inning or in the first inning, you need to score. You need to capitalize on that. Because if you don't, like I said, all of a sudden, the pitcher who looked like he could be had in the first and second inning looks untouchable three or four innings later. And I know the Cubs' bullpen hasn't been great, but there are teams out there. It's not just the Brewers. There are other teams with tremendous bullpens. And it's not all of a sudden going to be, well, if we can just get into that bullpen, we'll be fine. You cannot limp through those first three innings on offense and let opportunity after opportunity after opportunity fly by the door in the window. You just can't. Especially when you're pitching against your absolute nemesis in Jose Quintana. Now, Kyle Hendricks last night, he kind of faded down the stretch. It wasn't a very good start. How many innings did he go? He went five innings, two earned runs, five strikeouts, and a walk. Kyle Hendricks is 11-11 and on the year. Wow, he has 11 wins. When you got guys on base, you got to capitalize. And I, and I just think it's, I don't know if it's entertaining, if it's funny, if it's ironic or what it is. I don't know how to describe the fact that the only guy in the Brewers that can hit with runners in scoring position and runners on base is Mike Moustakis, who, who did not come up in the Brewers system. I'm not saying he's not a Brewer, but you understand what I'm saying. 
15 of 28 with runners in scoring position since coming to Milwaukee. And, and I was talking to a couple buddies last night during the game. We were snapping, texting, trying to keep each other sane because it was such a stressful game. And when Moustakis came up in the top of the ninth inning, the Cubs bring in Dunsing, the lefty, to face Moustakis, who is due up. And I said, love to see Ryan Braun get a pinch hit opportunity there. Because you know they're going to go with the lefty. They're going to go with Dunsing. They're going to go with whoever, whatever lefty they have out in the pen. Would have been a great opportunity for Ryan Braun to get a pinch hit. And they let Mike Moustakis hit. And for those of you baseball purists who believe lefties should never face lefties if you're a manager, or righties and righties, vice versa, you understand. A little odd that Mike Moustakis was left out there to hit. And after I examine the stats, and I think about it a little more, Moose is hitting 15 for 28 with runners in scoring position. And bases loaded, that's as many runners in scoring position as you can get. So I'm starting to understand maybe where that move came from Council. Maybe he just had a gut feeling. Maybe he liked Moustakis' approach at the plate so far that day, and he just thought he he was deserving of one more at bat, but a little surprising. So when you look at those numbers, maybe you start to understand Council and his thought process in the ninth inning. Now, unfortunately, but fortunately at the same time, unfortunately for me trying to do a radio talk show right now, but fortunate for fans and the Brewers that they were able to put up those runs and it didn't end up mattering, right? Jeremy Jeffers came in in the bottom of the ninth, didn't give up a hit, and the Brewers win 5-1. to one. But let's say the Brewers only scored one run in the top of the ninth, or they didn't score a run, and they go into the bottom of the ninth 2-1, and the Cubs come back and win, or they tie it up and it goes to extras. Now, all of a sudden, it's a lot more meaningful and important conversation. Do you understand? So just because the Brewers won 5-1, to one, I don't want to just throw this, this conversation and this dialogue to the wayside. It makes for good talk radio, which I guess is, is my job, trying to pull out interesting things from these games, even though... When you look at the final box score and you look at the final score, let's say you didn't watch the game last night, 5-1, to one, you think the Brewers had that in hand early and their bullpen closed it down and it wasn't an entertaining game, which couldn't be further from the truth. I, I've fired myself up now talking about runners on scoring, runners on base and runners in scoring position. Listen to me. 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. If you have anything you'd like to talk about, hit me up with a call or a text. I do have some words to pass along from Jesse. Our daytime voice over on Z93 says the number now at Fight the Flood down at the Southside Fest Grounds is up over 70,000. So keep up the good work, everybody who's been donating. And there are multiple ways to donate. Even if you're if you're out of town or if you don't have time to get to the Fest Grounds or you have plans tonight, you can donate online at rotaryworksfoundation.org. You can donate online as well. So there's lots of ways to donate. Although I, if I were you, I don't want to get down to the Fest Grounds. Taking some of the live music, some of the food and drink. It's like a little mini Oktoberfest, except this festival, the money's all going to help uh, friends and neighbors here in the region and in the area who have been affected by flooding. So that's pretty cool. You got that going for you as well. So keep that in mind. Donations now up over $70,000, which is pretty impressive, and we should be proud as a community. Speaking of proud, we're all very proud of Aaron Rodgers, and it sounds as though, I think you got to assume he's going to play until we hear otherwise. But we're going to talk about the Packers a little bit, specifically the quarterback position, and not just Aaron Rodgers. I'm not just talking about number 12. I want to talk about the backup position just a little bit and the approach that the rookie general manager, Brian Gutekinds, may have used to approach this season when constructing the roster, quarterback-wise. I've heard this take thrown around the last couple of days, and I like it. I'm going to add some things to it, and we're going to talk about the Packers' backup situation. That's coming up next. We're also going to chat with Matt Scrady coming up at the end of the show, of course, from Mornings and David Scra- Mornings with David Scrady right here on WKTY. We're going to preview the Packers and the Vikings because, remember, I'm not on the air tomorrow. we got the Badger Roundtable show getting you prepped for Saturday's game with BYU. Get excited for that as well. So we're going to wrap up the week with some Packers talk and some Packers preview coming up next 
on the Wisco Sports Show. One-two pitch. A swing and a miss. He struck him out. Josh Hader gives him the gas. Wisco Sports Show. Sorry, I, I lied, I guess. We got to do one more thing of Brewers, and that was Hader's final strikeout of the game last night. And for any of you who are watching closely these Brewers-Cubs games the last couple of days, and, and really all season long, Josh Hader has been something special to watch. And we criticize Council, but he has looked well-rested and sharp for these last couple of very, very important series. So there, now I'm done with the Brewers. I promise. Let's get into this Packers talk. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I am your host, Grant Bills. Beyond for about a half hour longer, mostly Packers talk here on the way out. And if you want to get in on the action, 608-796-2558 is the five-star telecom talk and text line. And you can do it, and you should do it right there. Get the conversation rolling. I wanted to talk about the Packers backup situation. And you can probably understand why. I think it's incredibly pertinent. Deshaun Kaiser, he's the guy. They traded Brett Hundley. They shipped him off. And they're rolling with Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle. And that was all on Brian Gutekinds. Now, he... Didn't draft Brett Hundley, but he did make the trade for Deshaun Kaiser. That's his doing. Tim Boyle was also one of the guys that he obviously selected this past year. Seems like they always bring an undrafted guy, a project guy, see what they have, and uh, see if they can find something. So Gutekunst trades Brett Hundley for a sixth-round pick, which is nothing special, let's be honest, but it's something, right? Brett Hundley started how many games last year? Started a large handful of games. The number isn't important. It was more than one or two or three. It was closer to half the season than one or two games. Regardless of whether you like Brett Hundley or not, he had starting experience. I hear all the time, whether I'm doing Facebook live chats after Packer games, or it's here on the telecom talk and text line, or I'm seeing it on Twitter. Will the Packers pursue a veteran quarterback, an experienced quarterback, or saying the Packers should Pursue a quarterback. Most of the time, it's the Packers should beeping pursue a veteran beeping quarterback. It's something a little bit stronger than that. And my answer all along this offseason has been, Brett Hundley is that guy. He's started just about as many games as you could hope any backup in the league would. Unless he's 40 years old. Unless you're talking about Matt Castle or Ryan Fitzpatrick or a guy who at one time was a starter on a team. And wasn't very good, obviously, and was relegated to, to the backup role. So when people say, do you think the Packers will trade an experience, for an experienced backup quarterback, a veteran backup quarterback? You understand, Brett, Brett Hundley was in the system for three years. He was able to study under Aaron Rodgers and train under Mike McCarthy and learn and grow and earn his chops in the NFL. And then he finally got a chance to start last year and he started a large handful of games. You might not have liked what he looked like in his first chance as a, as a starting quarterback, more of an interim quarterback. I don't want to say starter, although he started games. I guess that makes him a starter. He was your your experience guy. He was your guy with starting experience last year, and the Packers traded him away. So every time people say the the Packers should pursue an experienced quarterback, or will the Packers trade for an experienced quarterback, they traded one away. They had a guy with starting experience, and they traded him away. And because of that, Brian Gutekunst basically said, look, and, and this is my take. I've heard this thrown around by a couple writers, a couple different people as well. Gudikins came into this offseason and said, okay, we got a lot of problems. We got to fix and rebuild the secondary. We got to somehow, from inside or outside, develop some type of pass rush. Right? Those are two huge needs on the defensive side of the ball. Now, also, their linebacking core isn't fantastic either, inside or outside. That was a problem you had to deal with. 
He lost a safety in Morgan Burnett. And then he was focused on the pursuit of Muhammad Wilkerson and others along the defensive line. And that's only the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, you had the departure of Jordy Nelson. And you had to kind of rebuild and, and revitalize that receiving core. The, the bottom half of the, the roster of the receiving core. At the top, you're pretty good. But at the bottom, you had to completely rebuild and revamp from the bottom up, from the literal bottom up, your tight end group. You also had to make sure your offensive line was good. Are you comfortable with your running backs? There were a ton of responsibilities and tasks for Brian Gutekunst. And I think what he said, what Goody said, he sat down, looked at all his problems. He said, okay, I'm going to address this one. I'm going to work on this one, this one. And that way, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, nobody can say you didn't put a team around Aaron Rodgers. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying here? Gutekind said, look, we might not have a great backup quarterback, but I think if Aaron Rodgers goes down, we might be SOL anyways. So what I'm going to do to avoid as much criticism as possible is put the best team possible around Aaron Rodgers, which means the backup quarterback isn't a number one priority. Can, can, can we follow that logic so far? So in essence, I think Brian Gutekind simply punted. He said, look, we're going to roll with Deshaun Kaiser. We'll, we'll trade one of the more talented members of our secondary and Demarius Randall, say what you want about him. I was not a fan at all. But I think that's mostly because he was out of position <laughs> on a pretty bad defense. We're going to trade trade Brett Hundley away. And we're going to roll with Deshaun Kaiser and whoever else. Tim Boyle, D- Joe Callahan, Taysom Hill. Go down the list. It doesn't matter who that next guy is. They've had guys like that for, for years and years now. And we're going to live with whatever we have. Because I would imagine Brian Gutekunst cringes and hates the thought of turning on the TV and getting criticism after criticism after criticism, hearing national people as well as local people saying, once again, Aaron Rodgers did not have a fair shot to win because the front office in Green Bay can't put a team around him. So I think Gutekind said, screw it. I'm going to punt on backup quarterback and I'm going to try to make the rest of the roster good and just cross our fingers that Aaron Rodgers doesn't go down for an extended period of time. And to be completely honest, if I was a general manager of the Green Bay Packers, I may have done the exact same thing. May have done the exact same thing. But now the narrative this week Everybody's saying Aaron Rodgers has got to play on a bum knee. He doesn't have an option. Drew Brees has that option with Teddy Bridgewater. Tom Brady has that option or had that option at times with experienced backups. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that option. He just doesn't. You look at Pittsburgh. Josh Dobbs is taking first team reps this week because Big Bang is apparently banged up, which we know he's not. But they have suitable backup quarterbacks. Really, it's... Only the Packers. Aaron Rodgers doesn't have the option to sit out because he knows if he does, it's a loss. Just mark it as a loss right now. And I think Deshaun Kaiser is incredibly athletic. I think he has upside, but it's a loss. He's not beating the Minnesota Vikings. He's just not. He might not meet the Lions. And you saw how they played last week. All I'm saying is that Brian Gutekinds came into this year saying, I'm going to try to address everything else. I'm going to try to fix every other problem and we can address the backup quarterback at a later time. But right now, we're going to go with what we have because I don't want people saying Green Bay didn't give Aaron Rodgers a fair shake. Once again, there's no defense. Once again, there's no running game because those have been problems for a long time. And if Aaron Rodgers stays healthy and they can't win and they miss the playoffs or they lose in the first round, that's not falling on Aaron Rodgers. Might be able to dump some of that blame on Mike McCarthy, but that's going to fall on the shoulders of the front office and the general management because they didn't put enough talent around Aaron Rodgers. And how many times have we seen that? It's not a new story, and I don't think Brian Gutekunst wants that chapter of that story in his book as the Packers GM. I I just don't. And to be completely honest, I'm okay with it, because I think if I'm the GM, I would do the exact same thing. I'm going to give Aaron Rodgers a chance to win, and if he goes down, so be it. 
another year of bad luck. And that's what I'd shake it off as. Now, next year and the year after, that's not gonna that's not gonna fly. But this year, you can only work with what you have. You can only solve so many problems through the draft and so many problems through free agency. And they did their their best. I think he did a very good job of addressing some of those needs. Some of those fell by the wayside, including backup quarterback. And that was just reaffirmed when they traded Brett Hundley. So for those of you asking, will they go out and get a veteran backup? Will they sign Kaepernick? First of all, nobody's signing Kaepernick, I don't think. I think his days in the NFL are done, especially with a team like Green Bay. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. And outside of that, who do, you, who do you want them to trade for? Ryan Fitzpatrick, they had an opportunity to get him earlier this offseason. They didn't do it. Veteran backups just don't want to get traded. They don't get moved, especially to Green Bay, where they have absolutely no shot to play because Aaron Rodgers is there. So no, this is their backup quarter situation, Packers. It's their backup quarterback situation. Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle. There you go. Take that pill and swallow it. I know it stinks. I'm trying to choke it down as well. It stinks, but that's the scenario. And it's not going to get any better. That's that's it for this year. I'm okay with the secondary. He did a good job there. He improved the defensive line. I think he he found some good talent in wide receivers. And he did a couple other things. He rebuilt the, the tight end group from the ground up. I think he did a very good job. But the backup quarterback fell by the wayside. And as ugly as it may be, I, I think it might have been the right choice. I think it might have been. If you can only solve so many problems, that might have been the problem to uh, to let slide. Because I don't think this Packers team is good enough regardless to win uh, without Aaron Rodgers. Even though they are improved at many levels. This is the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bill. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talk and text line. And we're going to continue to talk Packers. Especially next segment, we're going to be joined by a real hero. A real friend. And, uh, and one of the best out there, that's Matt Scrady, of course, from Mornings with Dave and Scrady. And we're going to talk a little Packers-Vikings, get a little Packers thoughts from him as a Vikings fan, as a Vikings guy. And we'll get some Vikings thoughts from him as well. I'm, I'm going to try not to be a homer. He's going to try not to be a homer. And we're going to try to get you prepared as best we can for this upcoming weekend. And before uh, we take a break and we come back, I want to give one more update for those of you who didn't hear. Fight the Flood going down at the Southside Fest Grounds. $70,000 raised. And we still got... Five or six hours left to go. So if you haven't donated yet, if you haven't gotten down there, get some food, get some live music, hang out with friends and family, do so tonight, please. Friends and family and neighbors around the area are counting on us, and, and it, that money really is going to a great cause. So we're up over $70,000. I bet that number is going to get another big boost as people get off work, they eat dinner, and they head down there with their with their family or their spouses, and, and they take in some food and live music. So if you have been a part of that, we thank you. And if, you, if, if you've donated and you've been a part of that tally as well, we thank you. Uh, it's something our community can really be proud of. This is the Wisco Sports Show. When we come back, we're talking to Matt Scrady, and we're previewing Packers-Vikings coming up this weekend. A whole lot more coming up after this on WK2Y. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. I'm your host, Grant Bills. You're listening to 580 AM, 96.7 FM, WKTY. Maybe you're streaming online at WKTYsports.com, or you're listening on our mobile app as well. This will be the final show of the week. Because we have that Badger Roundtable show on Fridays to get you ready for the Badgers, which we should. I we got to talk about the Badgers more on this program. But right now we are locked into Packers Vikings, and there's no better guy when we're talking Vikings than our station's very own Matt Grady. And Matt, we've been going back and forth here the last couple of hours, but but how's it going? Oh, it's going awesome. Hanging out at this Quillins, it's a perfect place. You need to stop out here, Grant. It's good stuff. We were at the Quillins on French Island a couple of weeks ago, and that was actually my oh, first yeah. Quillins experience. So I got I to gotta complete the sweep and visit them all, I think. 
Well, I got to tell you, there's a bar in the basement of Aquilins and Walk-On. Just letting you know that you got to stop by there, too. You haven't lived, you haven't been in Iowa unless you've been in the bar of the basement of a grocery store. It's beautiful. I think we might need to take that trip together. <laughs> that sounds really interesting. And I'm not sure if I'm willing to go into that blind. So we're going to put that on the calendar coming up. And, and coming up and sneaking up quickly is this Packers-Vikings game. It's great. I just want to get your thoughts last week on the San Fran game. It was interesting. I'm not saying the Niners should have won, but they had opportunities they didn't take advantage of, and the Vikings really made them pay. What are your thoughts on their season opener? Well, I didn't get to see a ton of it because I was on my way to that Packer game. So That's right. I, I was on the bus, so it was a little spotty what I was seeing. Yeah, it was here and there that, that I was watching. But what I watched, you know, the Vikings seemed to be in control of that game for a while. Well, then all of a sudden they let let the 49ers back in it. I'm not sure Kirk Cousins had the the, the first game performance that, that he was hoping to have. But, you know, in the NFL, a win's a win. I don't know if in college a win's a win because I still feel like Notre Dame lost to Ball State. Yeah, that's but right. But in the NFL a win's a win so got to just be happy that they got that win I guess well and it's week one I think especially now the trend is less and less time in the in the preseason for all starters I think a win is a win especially in week one in the NFL were there any players young players especially that maybe Packers fans haven't become acquainted with yet that really stood out to you or that you read about perhaps Scrady did we lose you I think we lost Scrady we'll try to get him back so Scrady obviously hosting that bus that went to uh, Lambeau Field last week. Can you imagine a Vikings fan having to be drug along to Lambeau Field in week one? Am I back? Yep, we got you back. There we go. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. No worries. Sorry about that. But no, I don't know about any uh, young players, but I will say this. Xavier Rhodes, he had wrote a, a cool article just the other day, and he, he mentioned the, the seven best players in the NFC North. And, and in that list, I don't remember all seven. I, I don't remember all of them, but he listed only three Vikings. He listed himself, which I think that's legit. He didn't make himself number one or anything, but he sure. listed himself. He also had Harrison Smith. I think that's legit in Everson Griffin, who I, I think all three, obviously, if you're picking three guys from the Vikings, you're picking all defensive players. I think that says something. Of course, at number one, he has Aaron Rodgers, which is legit too. So, I mean, that's the Trump card in everything Aaron Rodgers yeah well and I agree and and if you're a team I would probably rather have three or four or five top 20 players in the in the NFC North than just one and have that be it so I think the Vikings definitely have an advantage there you were at Lambeau Field on Sunday night like you were saying what was that like and and you're a Vikings fan so feel free to to speak completely genuinely you don't have to lie if, if you weren't amazed yeah no, no, I it, it was it was awesome. It was a great atmosphere. I loved it. I think I found the only other Viking fan at Lambeau Field for a, a Packer Bears game. I'm pretty sure there was only two of us in the whole building, and that was that was just fine, you know, because it was awesome watching that rivalry and the fans interacting between the the Packers and the Bears. I will say this though, when it was like three minutes to go and it was fourth and one and the Bears decided to kick the field goal to go up by three points instead of try to get that yard to try to put that game away. The Packers would have had no timeouts or around, you know, it would have ran well below the two-minute warning. Once they decided to kick that field goal, I was telling the people that I was with, I was like, all right, I'm going out to the tunnel. As a Viking (laughs) fan, I cannot watch Aaron Rodgers come back and win this game. Knew it was going to happen. I mean, for sure it was going to happen. The Bears weren't stopping Aaron Rodgers on that last drive. He's that good. He's that great. You can't give him two minutes and no timeouts down by one score because every single time he's going to win that game for the Packers. So I, I kind of knew that was going to happen. So I couldn't watch it. The Bears fans did, but I couldn't watch it. Yeah, well, and it's funny that 
take has become more and more popular. I have a buddy who's a Bears fan. I do a podcast with him and, and another guy here at the station every week. And he knew at halftime when Aaron Rodgers came out and the Packers yep. scored the first time they had the ball. He was like, that's it. Because I think we've seen that so many times, and it gets lost on Packers fans sometimes, I think. Yeah, and, and it might. I don't know if you guys appreciate what you have just as much. You might have to look at it from from the other side because, for real, every single Sunday, like you guys are probably rooting against the, the Vikings yep. and or the Bears, probably the Vikings because they're probably a little better than the Bears right now. So you're probably rooting against the Vikings, and it kind of kills you when you watch them win a game and you're oh, yeah. thinking, man, that defense, is, that defense shouldn't have been able to make that stop or whatever. That's the feeling that I was Viking fans have been having about Aaron Rodgers for a long time, and that's why I think the majority of us Viking fans, that maybe all Viking fans, would would be more to defend Aaron Rodgers as the best player in the NFL than maybe anybody, because he, he totally is, and we've been watching it for years. He's been tearing our hearts out. Well, and that's a fascinating take. I, I do start to agree with you. I think Packers fans need to remind themselves occasionally of what they're watching. I want to ask, I remember last year we talked before the NFC Championship game, and I asked you Players that need to step up in this game for them to get a win. And you said Anthony Barr. He'd been invisible, yeah. and you had a great take, and you were spot on about all those things. So I'm going to ask you about this week, if the Pack- if the Packers are going to be defeated by the Vikings, if they're going to come into Lambeau and win. And in this situation, let's just assume Aaron Rodgers is healthy and both teams are at full strength. What needs to happen? Or are you just well, assuming you- that the Vikings maybe are going to win outright and-, and they can just play an average game? I don't know. Well, I will say this. I do think that they're going to win because I think even with Aaron Rodgers in there, I think he's going to be banged up. And that Packers offensive line, I watched it a lot, and, and I'm trying not to be too homer here, but watching that Packers offensive line, they're brutal. I mean, it, it was horrible. The, the Bears were abusing that offensive line, and I think that the key for the game, I, I, I do think that Bakhtiari is, is legit. I think he's a real deal. I think he pretty much, I was talking to Mike Schmidt about it last night too, you got Bakhtiari and four other guys sure. is basically what that that offensive line is to me. It's it's Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. I mean, it, it, coming off those ends, uh, uh, Khalil Mack he made some noise last week because of that uh, that offensive line. I'm thinking the Vikings doing the same deal coming off those ends. Khalil Mack was absent at the end of the game, but he did make plays early, and I think that he got he got winded because he's missed a whole whole training camp. I mean, he's just now getting back to work, starting to play in the NFL. So I'm thinking those Viking defensive ends. That's the key if the Vikings are going to win. Obviously, I think the key for the Packers, it's all Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers absolutely can beat the Vikings. I don't even know if he has to be 100% to beat them. He's got to be out there, though. I mean, that to me, that's the big key for the, the, the Packers. How about you? Is that what you're thinking? I, I'm thinking that's great, but I'm going to be completely honest. Even if Aaron Rodgers is as healthy as he possibly can be and, and he's playing, if, if I had to bet money, and I don't like to bet money on sports, I would pick the Vikings to win. I, I watched that game last week, and I was even more amazed than I thought I would be because now we've seen Zimmer with this core group of players. He's had this group for a while now, and you start to see him do even newer and, and more impressive things. Like last week, they were using Harrison Smith as a pass rusher. Like those yeah. types of things, I think, can really disrupt a game, especially well, when Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be stuck in the pocket, which isn't always the worst thing, but sometimes you need to escape, and when you can't, that, that's really going to be trouble for Aaron Rodgers in that offense on Sunday. Well, and I'll say, the defense is legit. The defense is the real deal. I do agree with you and believe that as well. But I'll tell you, I I haven't been impressed with Kirk Cousins at all yet. I okay. mean, not at all. That first preseason game that they had in – in Denver, you know, the Vikings offense put up a whole bunch of numbers, but it wasn't Kirk Cousins necessarily. It wasn't really him. It was the other guys. So I, I'm still waiting to see what they have with this guy. I was never a huge fan of him in Washington. Obviously, I turned into more of a fan of him when he's 
started wearing Absolutely, the purple. Yeah. But I, I haven't been much of a I, – I mean, I'm not impressed with him yet. He's going to have to do a lot more than he did on Sunday, I would think. I mean, he's – to, to me, he, he's an above-average quarterback, but he's not. He's the third-best quarterback. Maybe he might be the worst right now. Trubisky, the way he, he played in that first half, Trubisky looked unbelievable in that first half. Then you got Matt Stafford, who had a terrible game. Ooh. But, of, of course, Aaron Rodgers, he's the best one in the North. So I'm not sure ranking those top North quarterbacks. I'm not sure where Cousins ranks in that yet. I think he could be up there with Rodgers, but not yet. Well, luckily for the Vikings, they don't need Kirk Cousins to be Aaron Rodgers. They just need the true yeah they need some consistency in a guy who's going to make reads and make throws and, and not screw up the game for them real quick before I let you go you you said you expect the Vikings to win let's say Aaron Rodgers plays how do you see the game going and ballpark for final score it, it doesn't really matter when you're making predictions but how do you think this game is going to go big picture wise I I, I'm thinking it's something like a 27-14 type of deal, and I think that Delvin Cook, I think he's, he's the reason that the Vikings' offense works because watching Howard and that offensive line for the Bears work against the Packers' defensive line. As a Viking fan, I got a little bit of optimism there, and I'm liking that defense. Even if Rodgers is healthy, I still don't think he's going to be able to run out of the pocket like he, he usually does. Yep. So I think that's going to limit what he does anyway. So I guess he, with Rodgers even, I still like – I'm still I got the Vikings either way I guess and I don't know if that's going to happen because I'm not feeling very confident in it sure I just think with a banged up Rodgers they 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 are the better team on paper if Rodgers is banged up I think that's how I feel right now anyway oh absolutely I think the Vikings are one of the most complete teams in the NFL and I I don't disagree with you at all about that prediction I could see the Packers getting doubled up on points wise so Scrady you've been working all day now thank you for giving us just a couple (laughs) extra minutes here as you kind of wrap up your work day for the night Hey, hey, you're doing an awesome job on this show, Grant. I know that a lot of people are listening, and everybody should keep on texting in that uh, the the, uh, the text line seven nine six two five five eight. I'm reading them in the morning. You're getting a bunch of texts in. You're doing an awesome job. Keep up uh, holding down the fort back there in the afternoons. Doing awesome. Yeah, I, I love being in here. Thanks, Grady, and uh, and I'll see you soon. Absolutely. So there you go, Matt Scrady, host of, co-host, I should say, Mornings of David Scrady, Mornings with David Scrady on WKTY. Good stuff. And look, Packers fans, I don't want to be a wet blanket. I'm just, I don't want to be a homer either. I think the Vikings are much better at most positions. And from what we saw from the Packers last week, I'm just not real confident. Now, if McCarthy comes in with a game plan, and I can see this happening, and this is the road I see for the Packers win, coming with a game plan to get the ball out quick, a lot of quick timing throws, and then, but the Vikings are going to come in with the exact same game plan to prevent that from happening. So if Aaron Rodgers can just be good enough, get the ball out quick enough, and you can't turn the ball over once, and I mean it. If I had to make a prediction, I think the Vikings will win, but I look forward to seeing if Aaron Rodgers plays, what kind of game plan they roll out with, because I think this will force McCarthy to do some interesting things. So that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to the Wisco Sports Show. I am your host, Grant Bills. Go Packers, go Badgers. I'll talk to you Monday.